This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. I have such great memories of Thanksgiving from my childhood, of spending time at my grandparents' house with aunts and uncles and cousins and my sisters, my parents. It's just a, a wonderful time. And we, would, we would make the long journey to my grandparents' house just about every year. They lived about four houses down the street, so we would get bundled up, walk outside, walk down the road, and knock on their door. Uh, my grandparents had this, this old house, and um, we called my, my grandfather Papaw. So Papaw decided that this, there wasn't enough room for all the family to get together, and so he, he tore the, the back porch off his house and built an extra room on the back end that was large enough for all of us to sit and share meals together. So at holidays, we could, we could be together and spend just relaxing time all in one place. And the, the process of building that, he did it by himself. My father and I went and helped him. It was just a, a wonderful time. And, and so we would, we would go there, and, and plenty of room for all of us. And, and one of the things I remember most significantly is just the time I got to spend with my cousins. We were all really close growing up, just playing. It was an all-day event Thanksgiving. We would go early in the day, and we would have hours while the meal was being prepared. And what we discovered was that as long as we stayed out of the kitchen, we could do just about whatever we wanted. Anytime we went in the kitchen, we got shooed out, not shooed out, shooed out, shoo, shoo, because my, my grandmother would just get, get so wrapped up in what she was doing, she would end up tripping over us, and she didn't want to dump anything hot on, on any of the kids that were playing. And so we were, we, the kitchen was off limits, but anything else, we, we had such a great time enjoying each other's company, just playing, having fun. My, my cousin and I would just spend hours just driving cars, running them off ramps, just building things. And just, it was so, so fun. Those are, those are the memories I have of Thanksgiving. And I know you have your memories as well. You have your traditions, your, the food that you prepare each year. Every family has a different variation on what a Thanksgiving meal ought to look like. I think back to all those, those meals, and, and all the food was good. I don't I don't think back and, and remember one fantastic thing that I just have to have every Thanksgiving. That's, that's not what I, what I think about. Uh, I think about the fact that everything was good, that while we were waiting for the meal, my grandfather would, would start cutting up meat, and he, was, he would always purposely cut up little chunks of meat and set them out on a plate, and he would call all the grandkids in to get samples before, before the late lunch of, of Thanksgiving that we would share together. Uh, what I remember most significantly are the things that I didn't like at Thanksgiving. And, you know, as a kid, we all have very specific things that we don't like. I still don't like these things to this day. They've stayed with me. The first is sweet potatoes. They're gross. I'm sorry if you like them. I don't. We have a great recipe. My family, uh, my wife, we all make them the same way with brown sugar and butter. And they go in the oven, and that all melts down and make this really sweet, rich sauce. They put marshmallows on top, and those cook up and brown on top. It looks so good. Oh, it's gross. And my wife is the only one in our house that likes sweet potatoes, and so she gets really excited at Thanksgiving because she makes a batch of sweet potatoes, and she's the one who gets to eat them. And she gets all of them to herself. So it's a bonus for her. And we get to see her happy, so that's good. The other thing that I really don't like at Thanksgiving time, and this made my grandmother, she laughed at me. I don't like pumpkin pie. I, I, there's just something about pumpkin pie that seems wrong. It's like spiced pudding in a crust, the texture, the flavor. It doesn't do anything for me. So when I was little, 
we would, we would be in my, my grandparents' back room, and after the meal, we'd clear all the plates, all the, all the food, start, start getting things into uh, Tupperware and bags so it could be saved for dinner and for the next couple of days. And then my grandmother would sit at one table, and she had pies all around her and a tub of Cool Whip. And she would start cutting up pies and slicing them, and we were supposed to bring our plates over to her, and she would ask us how big of a piece of pie we wanted. And I think she had already conspired with our parents because it didn't really matter what we said. We always just got the same size piece of pie. She would say, how big a piece of pie do you want? And do you want Cool Whip? And then she would put a piece of pie on her plate, put a, put a spoonful of Cool Whip on top, and send us on the way. So I got up, and I, she said, how big a piece of pie do you want? I said, no pie. I said, what? I said, I just want a spoon of Cool Whip. You just put Cool Whip on my plate, and I'll eat that. And she laughed and laughed. She laughed at me on Thanksgiving. I remember that to this day. She probably still laughs thinking about it. But I still can't can't eat pumpkin pie. For some reason, that, that memory has stayed with me. It, regardless of the food we had, the, the significant memories are of being together as a family, gathered around one table, sharing together in special times. And even today, that's the same. I, I appreciate Thanksgiving because it's a time just to be with family. And every year, it looks a little different from us. Some years, we spend Thanksgiving with extended family. And that's a blessing and also a chore sometimes. It's just making a day of travel and sitting and having conversations. And it's always great to catch up with people that we haven't seen all year except for Thanksgiving, maybe Christmas. Other years, it's, it's just us at home. And my wife and sons, we, we will sometimes have a meal just by ourselves. And those are really meaningful times to, to, to take, take the extra effort to, to cook a, a Thanksgiving meal and to share in that formal dinner together just as a family and, and, and not be doing anything else but just eating together. There are other, other years where we spend time with friends that might as well be family and we go to their place or they come to our place and we, we share in a meal together and, and enjoy those moments. It's always enjoyable and those are the memories that last beyond the day. That's what Thanksgiving is for us, a time to gather with family and friends and a time to be thankful. The time to think about the past and the present. The time to, to remember God's provision. To remember his presence in our lives. And with grateful hearts, sit together and honor him. Thanksgiving is a national holiday. It's rooted in history. But gathering around a table and sharing <laughs> together as a family goes way beyond that. In fact, when we look in Scripture, we find several examples of what it is to gather together around a table and celebrate. And I'd like today to, to look back into the New Testament and the Old Testament. I've got one example from each place of, of how, biblically speaking, we, we can learn what it is to gather around the table. We can add to our Thanksgiving celebration and lay it on the foundation of these biblical principles that we find from examples in Scripture. The first example I want to look at is the initiation of the Passover celebration for the Israelites. That's going to be in the Old Testament. We'll be in Exodus chapter 12 as we discuss that. If you want to start turning in your Bibles there, that's where we're going to begin. Uh, if you want to use the YouVersion app, you can search under events for Parkview Finley. You'll find two live events today. There was a little bit of an error, so look for the one that says gather around the table. Words will be on the screen here if you'd like to just read from the screen as we go through or you can read from your own Bible. After we talk about the Passover celebration, we're then going to move into the New Testament and talk about uh, the... In 
when Jesus initiated the Lord's Supper with his disciples, which coincidentally also happened while they were celebrating the Passover meal together. I want to begin in verse one of Exodus chapter 12. But rather than read through that whole section, I want to just summarize for you the, the story of what was happening for the people of Israel. We find them in Egypt under the rule of Pharaoh. They're not citizens there, they're slaves. They have been used for difficult labor, mistreated, abused, forced to make bricks without enough resources, demanding a miserable life they have there. And they've cried out to God for, for help, for deliverance from their oppressive slavery in Egypt. And God has begun the process of bringing them out from Egypt, bringing them out from under Pharaoh, so that they can move into the promised land. And God has called Moses and Aaron from among the people to deliver them out, to, to be used by God for miraculous things, to help draw the people out of Egypt. And God is using plagues, miraculous events to get the attention of Pharaoh and all the people of Egypt, to let them know that he is the Lord over and above all the gods of Egypt and that the plan is to make Pharaoh so aware of God's presence through these plagues that he will have no other choice but to send the Israelites away. The last of the plagues is the plague of the firstborn, which the destroying angel of the Lord is going to come through Egypt and in the life of every firstborn male, livestock, children in the families of Egypt, and even of the people of Israel, unless they follow the instructions that God gave them for the Passover. And the instructions are for each family of the people of Israel to take a one-year-old lamb or goat without any defect, without any blemish, without any broken bones, this perfect one-year-old animal and sacrifice it and to take the blood and put it on the doorframe of their houses on the sides and on the top and as the angel of the Lord comes through he will see the blood of the sacrifice and pass over those homes that's the the source of the name for the Passover celebration for the people of Israel that the angel of the Lord passed over their homes and as they sacrificed this animal they would then celebrate together in a meal and eat the animal that was sacrificed and so they had to be specific about how they chose an animal Think about how many people were in their home because the Lord instructed them not to leave anything left over. So if the family was small, he said, go to your neighbors and invite them to join you in this meal. Use one lamb or goat for the two families. However, however much meat you think you will need for all the people, that's how many animals you will need to sacrifice. The process of eating and preparing that meal was very specific as well. The animal had to be roasted over an open fire, the quickest means of cooking the, the flesh of the animal. Not boiling it, not taking a long time to let it simmer down, but roasting it over, over a fire. They were to use bitter herbs to go with the meal and bread made without yeast, not taking time to let the dough rise, but to just mix flour and water and cook that in the fire so that they would have flat bread to eat along with the meat. Actually, doesn't sound half bad. Sounds like a delicious meal. But the way that they were to eat is also unique. The Lord instructed them to tuck their cloaks into their belts, to put their sandals on, and keep a staff in their hand, and eat in haste, because this would be a Passover meal. And not only would it be important for them to eat this way on the day that God was going to deliver them from Egypt, but every year after that, they would celebrate this meal on the same day each year. And as they ate, they were to eat quickly. They were to eat in the same manner 
and remember how God had delivered them from Egypt. And then I'm going to invite you to read with me from Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 24. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. And the Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. God provided instructions for the people of Israel to have a, a meal that they would gather around together and, and share in so that they could celebrate God. And as we gather around the table, it's important for us to, to learn from this example, that we would gather around the table and celebrate together, that we would recognize the value of being together as a family and also of, of, of celebrating the work of God celebrating, not in a way of just saying, isn't it great what God has done, but to praise God for how he has been present in our lives, to praise him for the way that he has been working, the things that we have seen. We see this in certain similarities that exist between Passover and the celebration of Thanksgiving today, the importance of recognizing God in what we do. Now, both these holidays include the sharing of a meal. Now, the kind of meal is totally different. The Israelites were, were eating sheep and goat, and for Thanksgiving, we usually eat turkey, maybe ham, depending on what your family likes. The process of eating together is what's significant, of having this celebration, this moment where everyone is together. Everyone is at the table. Everyone is gathered around and nothing else is going on. Where the meal is what's important as our time is spent shared together celebrating the Lord. And notice how God instructed the Israelites to include neighbors as family, to include people around them as they gather together, to, to celebrate the Lord together. And Thanksgiving is a meal that includes family, friends, neighbors. Many people today have, have Friendsgiving, and they'll have just a, a large group of people who are like family, gathered together to, to eat, to sit together, and to be united by what, what we share, and united by the reason that we share it. Each meal, the Passover and Thanksgiving, is carefully prepared. Now, God gave instructions to the Israelites about how to cook the meat, how to prepare the bread, how to, to get themselves ready to celebrate his deliverance from Egypt. And when it comes to Thanksgiving, there is a, a, a process of preparation that takes place in each of our homes, an extensive time of preparation for many of us. And I've learned just how extensive it is. We've been preparing Thanksgiving meals, and I get instructions from my wife about what needs to happen when and how. And I obey those instructions because I know if I get things out of order, disaster happens later. Things have to go in the oven at a certain time, come out of the oven, other things go in. Sometimes things go in the oven together, but most of the time they don't. And if you get that wrong, things get burnt or undercooked, and it's, it's a horrible thing that's my fault. And so I'm very careful to obey those instructions to make sure everything's ready. When it's time to, to get a turkey ready, I've learned to think about how many days ahead you need to take a turkey out of the freezer and put it in the fridge so that it will thaw all the way through, not the day before Thanksgiving, but many days ahead. Then when it's time to cook the turkey, to take the goodie bag out of inside the turkey before you cook it, just to make sure everything works out the right way. And that usually the turkey is my job. And, and so this year we've been having a discussion, not just in our family, but with uh, friends, with staff, uh, about the best way to cook a turkey. And, and the, the 
the debate this year is whether to fry a turkey or to smoke a turkey. And they both sound so good. I'm tempted to make two turkeys because I just can't decide. But my wife weighed in, and so we're going with fried turkey this year. I'm still undecided, though, because they both sound delicious. But, but we're planning to get the turkey out today, let it thaw in the fridge, put it in the briner, get it ready to, to, to fry. Are you getting hungry yet? It's, it's a few days away. I mean, we have our meal today, so as those, as those aromas of food cooking start to waft out of the kitchen, just be ready because it's coming. Now, when we gather around the table, we know that things have been prepared specifically so that when it's time to sit down and eat, there's nothing left to do but just enjoy each other's company, to celebrate the Lord together as we eat. And that's a significant part of what our meal should be. It should have a specific focus on God, a specific focus on how he is present in our lives and how he continues to provide for us, how we look back and see blessings that aren't just the product of our own hard work, but they are the, the product of God. And with no other means of explanation, we acknowledge him and praise him for what he does recognizing him for who he is. Now notice that the instructions for the Israelites were also that they would teach their children the significance of what it means to celebrate together, lifting up the name of the Lord. Now, God was preparing them to leave out of Egypt and go to the promised land, but it took them decades to get from one place to the next. In fact, a whole generation of people died out and their children moved into the promised land, saved just a couple of people. And so it was important as they were traveling and as they stopped every year at the same time to celebrate the Passover, to remember how God had delivered them from Egypt, that they would talk to their children about the significance of what was going on. This meal matters because it reminds us of God, because it, it, it reminds us of his miraculous power, because it reminds us of how he cares for us. Think about how significant that is for us at Thanksgiving time to gather with family and to remind everyone present of just how much we know God has been present in our lives, just how much we know that God has done for us, how we've seen his power at work, how we've seen his provision in our lives to acknowledge God and praise him and to teach our children and our loved ones the significance of having that moment, those moments to honor the Lord. The Passover teaches us a great deal about what it is to gather around the table. But I want to I move into the New Testament now to the second memorable time of sharing a meal together we find in Scripture. It comes uh, in each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I want to I look in the book of Luke today in chapter 22 as we learn about how Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples or apostles and how they gathered together and Jesus began talking to them about what was going to take place for him, about his suffering, about his sacrifice, and provided for them the means to remember him after his death. Beginning in verse 7 of Luke chapter 22, we read these words. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat 
the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this, divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Now this is a significant moment in the relationship between Jesus and his disciples. As he has already been talking to them about his faith about the, the place where he will go to sacrifice himself. He's been talking about his need to suffer and die for the forgiveness of sins, to, for the redemption of all people. And now, as the time is nearing, he provided the, the means for them to continually remember him and for us as we follow their pattern, to continually remember him. Remember him with gratitude as we think about how his sacrifice has brought about our forgiveness. As we gather around the table, we do so with grateful hearts. Not only praising God for what he's done, but thanking him for his work in our lives. Thanking him for all that he has done for us. And as we gather for communion, as we gather around the Lord's table, that's, that's the, the focus of our hearts and minds, of, of thanksgiving. Of very specifically thinking about all that he's done for us, expressing gratitude to Christ for his sacrifice on our behalf. And those are the instructions that Jesus gave you. Take the bread, take the cup, and as you eat and drink, remember me. To think about his body that was broken on the cross. To think about the, the cup that represents his, represents his blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And we think about the sacrifice of Jesus. And we think just how much he gave up for us. And we think first in terms of the universal nature of his sacrifice. That Jesus gave up his life so that all people would have an opportunity to find forgiveness through his blood. So that Anyone who would accept him as Lord and Savior might be redeemed. But more than, than that, we also find personal significance in the sacrifice of Jesus. And we know that Christ laid down his life for my sin. He let his blood be poured out to bring about my forgiveness. That Christ laid down his life for your sin. That his sacrifice is meaningful to you. And his death paid for your forgiveness. He sacrificed himself to make that payment. And as we remember his sacrifice, we should do so with grateful hearts, thinking about how gratitude is the, the name of what we do together. When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he reminded them of how important it is to be thankful as they celebrate communion together. In chapter 10, verse 16, he said, is, the, he said, is not the, the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And it's not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ, because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Notice that he called the cup the cup of thanksgiving. This moment of remembrance. 
gathered around the Lord's table. It's a moment of thanksgiving. Gratitude toward the Lord. And that's the attitude we should carry with us into our Thanksgiving celebration together as a family. Wherever you go, with friends, with extended family, that gratitude would be on your hearts. And not only that we would be grateful for the blessings that we recognize in our lives, not only grateful for the, the health of our families, for the, the homes that we live in, for the resources that we've blessed with, but grateful to God for his hand and all of that, for his presence in our lives. We would not just acknowledge that, that we've been blessed, but we would acknowledge that we've been blessed by God and express our gratitude toward him. And as we do that, that we would also think in terms of the relationship we have with Jesus and the faith that he has provided that we share among friends and family and be grateful for the faith that unites us in him. As we think about celebration and thanksgiving, the Passover and the Lord's Supper, I want to point out one similarity that carries through Scripture that hopefully you noticed. When Jesus gathered with his disciples, when God gave instructions to Moses for the people of Israel, there was a certain tone to the message that was given. Now, at at the Passover, God was talking to the Israelites about how they would celebrate their deliverance from Egypt. And he was telling them about the meal that they would share together before he set them free. Think about that. That God said, here's what I'm going to do. And what I want you to do now is to think about celebrating what will happen. And for years to come, you're going to continue celebrating what I'm about to do. When Jesus gathered with his disciples, he said, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to suffer and die. And here's how I want you to remember me after that happens. That's God who speaks of the future in certain terms, who knows without a doubt how he is going to be present in our lives and how he is going to act on our behalf. And he demonstrates his certainty, calling us to respond to that certainty with faith as we think about what the future holds. That's the pattern that we have in each of these stories, and that's what I want to challenge you to do this year as you gather together with your families, to gather together with hopeful expectation, anticipating what, what the future will hold for you as a family, not just giving thanks for the past, not just celebrating God for the present, but to think in terms of the future, what God has planned for you, about how God will continue to work in your lives, about what God has in store for your future. That's a difficult thing for us to think about. God knows what's going to happen. But there's a, a, a measure of uncertainty for us as we think forward that requires faith, that requires us to trust God's provision, to trust what he has in store for us. At Thanksgiving, it's a, it's a special time for us, not only to be grateful, not only to, to celebrate God, but also to think in terms of faithfulness. Knowing that God is going to be calling us to continually serve him. Knowing that God has a plan for us to follow his will. And, and all of those things depend on our decision, whether or not we're going to faithfully obey where God is leading us. Faithfully follow the plan that he has. And that's a decision that we have to make together. I don't know about you, but this time of year always calls me to think forward as we move past Halloween into Thanksgiving and prepare for Christmas, my mind is, is already on next year. This is the time of year where we, we plan sermons for 
the whole next year. This is the time of year where we're, we're getting ready. We're going to share a meal together, and then immediately after the meal, we're going to be putting up Christmas decorations. We're, we're, we're thinking forward. We're thinking about what's coming up. We're thinking about the next weeks, the next, the next year even, and, and prepared for how God is going to be working as a church. We think about what God has in store for us, and we look forward with hopeful expectation about how God is going to continue working here among us as a family of believers, how God has great things in store for us. So we think about our search for a new worship minister. As we think about the, the building that's going to be built. As we think about the people who are going to, to come to know the Lord. As we think about how decisions are currently being made of people accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. People uh, placing their membership here, making commitment to the body of Christ here. And how God is going to continue to work in the lives of people. How God is going to use us in the process of reaching them with the gospel message. How we're going to continue reaching out in the community of demonstrating the love of Christ and carrying that message everywhere that we go, that God is going to continue using us. And we look forward with hopeful expectation, knowing that God will continue to be working in us and working through us. The question about the future is how will we decide to be faithful in those processes? So this year, as you gather together with your family, let me suggest that as you're being grateful for the things that you have, as you're thinking about praising God and celebrating who he is, that you would also talk with your family about what the future will hold. You also talk about how God might use you in the next years ahead, about what it is that God, you feel God calling you to, about the kind of service that you feel like he might have in store for you. You recognize the, the kinds of 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 faithfulness that God is, is pointing you to in the future. And as your kids gather around the table, talk to them about what college will look like and how significant it is for them to be devoted to God and to, to grow in their relationship with him through those difficult years. As you gather with extended family, talk to them about what marriage is going to look like and the significance of following God's plan and his path in dating and in finding a spouse and what it means to, to follow God's instructions and to be obedient and faithful in the way that you are faithful to a spouse. As you, as you talk to your kids about their kids, as maybe some of your grandparents, think in the future about how your kids are raising their children and talk about the significance of setting those patterns down for children to know and love the Lord, to have these moments of celebration together as we gather around the table and honor God as a family. Just like the people of Israel, as they continually taught their children the significance of the Passover, that we would carry on those significant moments as a family, as a group of friends, surrendering ourselves wholeheartedly to the Lord in whatever way that means. As you thank God for what he will do, consider how you will respond. Consider how your family can grow closer to him. And as you gather together this year, let that be a challenge for you. With thanks and praise, choose faithfulness as well. As we conclude the sermon this morning, I want to invite you to think about your own relationship with the Lord, about where you stand in relationship with Him. And if you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, that you would recognize your need to accept Him and the forgiveness that comes with that, that you would prepare for the week coming up with your family and think about how you can be an example to them of, of how their faith in the Lord can grow, of how they can 
participate in those moments. Discover what God has in store for them.